This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. Church, good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you today? Are you good? Are you good? I'm so happy to be here. I'm particularly happily happy to be preaching this week and not next week when it's four services. That's very hard to do. Pray for Pastor Jason and all the pastors. That's hard to do this four times, all right? So I'm just excited to be here with you guys. We're about to be in week two of an incredible series. Listen, if you missed last week for any reason, do yourself a favor, go online and watch. It was an incredible message kicking off this series called Reconstruct. And Pastor Jason hit a home run talking about doubt and and those things. So you can go online. You can always see our services online. So I want to talk to you guys about that. But before I even jump in, I had to have a chance to, while I was up here, tell you about my favorite upcoming announcement, which is that ladies, the Known Conference is coming up October 7th and 8th. All right, listen. Listen, I got something startling to tell you, okay? There are only, as of this morning, and that was as of the first service, it's probably more now, but let me watch, check this out. There's only 80 seats left of our 600 seats, and that's it. When they're gone, they're gone. If you haven't registered, literally pull out your phone, go to access.tv slash known. Listen, this is a free conference, but at 600, we shutting the door. It's gonna be like when the trumpet blasts and you ain't here, like it's over for you. No, I'm sorry, Um, it's over. So you need to sign up because we want you in this place. I met with some of the team this week. I am so excited. You have no idea the fun, exciting things we have for you ladies. October 7th and 8th, don't miss it, all right? So go ahead, sign up online for that. Uh, Listen, I'm excited that it's September. I wore a blazer today in faith. I'm excited because football is back, although... Yep. Although uh, we are Dallas Cowboy fans in our house, so we've had a bit of a rough rate. Pray for all of us. It's been a rough go, okay? It's been a rough time. And I don't just have Jason anymore to care for in these dark times. I have two sons who are equally as invested into the Cowboys, which is very dark times. So pray for me. Um, very, in fact, if anyone has like a guest room or just something, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it's just been dark, okay? Uh, but we, we got football back. All the pumpkin things are back. Shout out for pumpkin. Yeah. How many of you are pumpkin people? How many of you prefer the apple flavors of things? Yeah, okay. I understand and I respect it. I don't share it, but I respect it. Um, I actually am a, a, a purist on some things like I love just a good banana bread. Anybody just a good banana bread? Yes, yes. Banana bread doesn't get its due. It doesn't get its season, but I'm a big banana bread person. I have, um, it's like nobody wakes up and is like, it's banana bread season, but let's maybe start that. I don't know. Somebody brainstorm it. Um, but I have a great banana bread recipe. If anybody wants, uh, the key ingredient is orange juice. It makes it just very yummy and wonderful. And I throw chocolate chips in it. Uh, we had a babysitter like years ago who was like, hey, called me, can I make banana bread with the kids? I noticed you had three brown bananas on your counter. And I'm like, well, first of all, <laughs> you don't know me. Uh, but <laughs> bananas are incredibly uh, tricky. They're like green, 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 yellow, brown. And it's just a very tricky situation, much like avocados. But um, she said, can I make banana bread with the kids? I was like, absolutely, knock yourself out. So she calls me maybe like an hour later and she goes, Liz, I followed this recipe exact. She goes, I don't know what happened. She goes, I literally followed it step by step by step. She said, the oven's on and it's just, it's all soupy. She said, have you ever had this? I said, no, never. Are you sure? She goes, I I promise you, I went through every step. I was like, okay. So she goes, you know what? I'll try it again. I said, okay, make it again. So she tries it. She goes through. She goes, I was meticulous. I followed every step. I made sure the oven, I sprayed the pan. She goes, and it came out 
as a soup. What in the world happened? And I said, honey, it's okay. Don't worry about it. No problem. Later on that night, I'm wondering about it because I've made this banana bread, you know, a solid 50 times and I've never had that issue. I said, what happened, you know? And there's two types of people in the world. There's people who you buy a bag of flour and you put it in the pantry. And then there's people like me who buy a bag of flour, put it in a container and put the container in the pantry. Which ones put it in the container after you buy it? Good. Self-confessed OCD, all of us. Um, you just identified. Um, so... I guess I had in my pantry, you know, all my little containers. And I look and I'm like, I'm like, that's so weird, powdered sugar. I'm like, why was she using powdered sugar? There's no powdered sugar in the recipe. I'm like, that's so weird. And so I'm like looking and then all of a sudden it hits me and I call her and I'm like, hey, I send a picture of the powdered sugar. I'm like, did you use this in the recipe? And she goes, yeah, it's flour. And I was like, no. No, that's powdered sugar. And uh, I, I'm not an expert baker, but I just want to give everybody a tip and a hint. You cannot substitute powdered sugar for flour. Uh, just saving some of y'all right away. Uh, so bless this poor sweet child. She had tried to make banana bread, and instead of using flour, my girl was using powdered sugar. God bless her. Sweet, sweet, sweet dear. Um, you can't substitute. And I, when I thought about this series, when I thought of Reconstruct, I kind of thought of that moment. Maybe for a lot of us in our life, there's a moment, like the moment in that recipe. So like, no matter what she had done after that moment in the recipe, right? Even if she got the exact amount of baking soda, the exact amount of baking powder, the right amount of eggs, put it in the oven for the right time, it wasn't gonna come out, right? And maybe a lot of us have had that moment in our spiritual lives. Have you had a moment where somehow your faith went off course? Where since that moment occurred, nothing you have done has been able to be Right, and your faith feels like you're deconstructing it from that moment because there is something where it all went wrong. I want to ask you that today. Where did it all go wrong for you? I want to talk about that. When I thought of this idea of reconstruct, it was dear and heavy on my heart. I've noticed people I grew up with, people I went to school with, uh, posting lately how they're deconstructing their faith. They're walking away from the Lord, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Why? Because it's, it's a lie, first of all, and a lot of people are becoming deceived. And so I love that we're in this series right now. Just like Pastor Jason said, this is the perfect series to bring your friends to because I believe for a lot of people, there was a moment, like in that recipe, where no matter what happened after that, it's all gone wrong for you. So I believe some people are stuck and that stuckness has caused them to start deconstructing. So in order to reconstruct our faith today, I kind of want to deconstruct what got us there. Is that all right? So first of all, I want to find out, are we stuck? Are you stuck? What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, we, another great babysitter story. None of these stories make us look amazing. I should, probably should have thought that through. Anyway, we had a babysitter one night. And she just calls us frantic. We were at a movie and she's like, Ella's leg is stuck in the stairs. And I was just like, what? And I was like, I really want to see this movie. So if you don't mind going. No, she's, but she was very uncomfortable. And as a parent, you know, I'll kind of shake the leg. And we, we got her out. But poor dear, just got her leg just stuck in the stairs. Um, or I think about a time when uh, I was on a Disney ride. I'm a massive Disney fanatic. I love going to Disney and I love riding rides, but I don't love getting stuck on the rides. It's incredibly traumatic. If you've never been stuck on a Disney ride, like this was Buzz Lightyear or something at the Magic Kingdom, and I was in there for 25 minutes and that becomes a nightmare. It's very much the opposite of magical, most wonderful place on earth once you are stuck in it for 20 minutes. And can I also tell you, once they turn on the lights, not that magical. It turns out it's just a big room with like a lot of screens, okay? So being stuck on a Disney ride, not fun. Um, I had a teacher in high school and he taught math, but guess what? He was also the 
football coach. And so as that happens, um, he used to, I could tell you guys his stats from his college football career. I could tell you how he almost made the NFL if it wasn't for this one moment. Why could I tell you that? Because my guy would tell us all the time. He was like, you know, I was almost drafted to the NFL. I'm like, but you weren't. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what I wanted to say. I didn't. But my guy was stuck in like the what could have been of his life, right? Truly. What does it look like to be stuck um, spiritually. I think a lot of us have started to deconstruct from a moment of being stuck on something. I think that can look a lot of like what it talks about in Revelation 2 when it says you've forsaken your first love. Isn't that deconstruction? Going from a place where you met the Lord and you were on fire for God, which is just a spiritual way of saying you were really hype about it, right? And you were so into it. You were so passionate to where you've grown cold. You haven't opened your Bible in a while. You've stopped going to church every week. And for some people, that's, you know, become a pattern from 2020. We got a little lazy with it. And there's nothing like gathering together in person, right? Maybe you've got no more joy in your day-to-day life. You've forgotten the wonder of what it feels like to be saved. For some people, though, I believe that it looks like something called the circle of why. This is a concept that I have struggled with in my own life. And the circle of why is this. It's a moment or thing in your life that happened that you can't get past. So it puts you on a circle, and the weird thing about a circle is there's no getting off, right? There's no exit, like a square that you go, that has an angle, you could get out. No, a circle just keeps going. I think for a lot of people, we're stuck in the circle of why. And sometimes every time you come to God, every time you pray to him, that thing is there. And you realize that just kind of like the recipe, everything you do, no matter how hard you do it, since that moment has not been right because there's something in your life holding you down. So, so are you stuck? And if you're stuck, let's figure this out. When did you get stuck? When did you get stuck? Um, I think there's a moment for all of us, like that moment in that recipe where that poor girl threw in powdered sugar that no matter what she did after that, it wasn't going to be right, right? For a lot of us, I think our stuck moment came from a moment of maybe trauma, hurt, pain, maybe you have battled with sickness in your body, you wake up every day and you're in pain and you go, I just can't, I can't do this. So you've begun to walk away from your faith. You say, how could a good God allow this, right? Maybe for some of you, you've gone through a divorce that you go, I did not expect or anticipate this. How is God that good or faithful? You struggle when we sing songs like, all my life, you've been faithful. Maybe for some of you, you've encountered abuse and you go, you don't know what I've been through. It's painful, I carry shame and I understand. But maybe that's the moment you got stuck. Maybe for you, it's a moment where you say, I really thought, kind of like my poor coach, something in my life would have happened by now that hasn't happened yet. And sometimes I think it's hard to deal with things that happen to us. Sometimes I think it's harder to realize the things that we thought should have happened that didn't. The why nots, the what ifs. So I think for all of us, there's a moment we could get stuck and it's really just what I call an inability to reconcile an event in our lives, what we believe to be God's goodness or his faithfulness. So we're stuck. And I've had moments like this in my life where I got stuck and I got stuck in that circle of why. The circle of why is, is like this. It's essentially event, why, pain, why. A little bit of understanding, maybe I'm gonna turn to the corner. No, still why. <laughs> You're just stuck and there's no route out of it. So if we've figured out that we're stuck, we've figured out maybe the moment that we got stuck. I would like to spend all my time today camping on this idea. How do we get unstuck? How do we get unstuck? And I think it's gonna start with a simple question. A simple question. What 
is my faith in? What is my faith in? Well, what do I mean? I mean, I'm gonna, it's going to sound a little harsh. I don't mean it to. A lot of you believe you had a great faith and something bad happened in your life and then you started to break down your faith and you go, it's so weird. I thought I had a strong faith. Maybe you didn't have a strong faith. You just had a good life. What I mean is sometimes our faith is in God's circumstances, the things he does for us and not his character. Some of you need to ask yourself, is my faith in God's character or in his hand? What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, have I put my faith in God, a sovereign God and who he is and all of his nature, or have I believed God because things are good for me? Do you understand the difference? Some of us have a circumstantial faith. And when our faith goes off the rails because something bad happens, something we can't reconcile, well, this shouldn't be part of the picture. But can I tell you that pain isn't a sign that God's not real? Pain is the chance for God to show you just how real he is. But will I let him? What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, when I've faced things in my life that were painful, I had a choice. I could either stick to the, God, this wasn't supposed to be this way, or I could let him show me all the ways he could bring these things together. Will I let him show me, or am I insisting on the how he should run my life? The problem with pain is that pain was promised. Pain was promised. No one's going to amen this point. It is not that encouraging. We'd rather this one not be in it, right? Listen to this verse in John 16. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Pain was promised. So why do we treat pain when it comes like an affront of God's faithfulness? Why when pain or trauma or bad things come, do we treat it like God has turned his back on me? Pain was promised. I could say it like this. In Matthew 7, Jesus tells a parable and he says, there was two men, the wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. And it says, when the rains came, the man who built his house on the rock, his house stood. I grew up in church. I was taught this story my whole life. And we left and we said, let's go build our house on the rock. Nobody stopped to realize the key point of that story, which was that the rain is coming, rock or sand. The storm will come in your life. That pain was promised. And we weren't promised a pain-free life. We were promised a grace-filled life. What do I mean by that? I mean that in our pain, God shows his grace. In our pain, sometimes in my pain, he has been closer to me than any other time. But where does that leave our faith? If we've been deconstructing because of a moment of pain, where does that leave our faith? If pain is promised, then what? Well, faith is required. Faith is required. Listen to this. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, next slide, <laughs> anyone who comes to him, Oh, good? Okay. Must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Two things just happened. Then the slide got stuck and one of my nails fell off. I just want to let you guys know that. There's a nail on the stage. I just, I don't know what's happening. Pray, saints. Because I lost a nail. I think it's the devil. I don't know. I don't know. This never happens to Jason. I don't. I don't. I'm just going to leave this here as sort of an altar to... Anyway, um, (laughs) 
It says faith is required. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How can you please God? Have faith. How can you have faith? Well, you're going to need a situation to show faith in. You don't want that part of it, do you? But if it's only faith when we exercise it, when we have to use it, then how could we let our faith go by? See, it says in the Word, Hebrews 11 is this massive chapter of faith in the Bible. If you want to dig deeper on faith, read all of Hebrews 11 this week. But it says, faith is the assurance of what we don't see. So if my face is based on what I see, that's not faith, that's sight. If we only believe because life is good, that's not faith, that's sight. It also says, we live by faith and not by sight. But we don't like that part. We want to live by sight. I want to live by seeing the things that are good. But some of us have seen bad, and it's allowed, we've allowed it to take our faith off course. We've allowed it to start deconstructing. But it's not faith until we have to use it. It's not faith until it has to be faith. It's not faith until it's exercised. Um, I've had these moments in my life. Somebody came up to me last week. I missed last Sunday because I was at a wedding, but everybody said, hey, Jason talked about his wife got really sick with cancer. I'm here to tell you, spoiler alert, I made it. Um, but somebody came up to me and was like, was that the first wife? Was I'm like, I am the first and the last, my God. <laughs> the alpha and the, no. Um, <laughs> only me, it's just me. God healed me, I, I'm set free from that. But can I tell you, and can I be honest, we had those moments and those opportunities to get stuck. So I had pain in my life, right? And I thought, this is not what I would have put into my story. And I was given a moment to believe and to decide, what do I believe about God? See, God's character is that he's sovereign and he's good. God is sovereign and he's good. But I think a lot of us forget the end. So when I got sick, when I went through hard times, when I lost a child six months into a pregnancy, I thought to myself, well, God is sovereign, but I didn't think he was real good. Or maybe you've had a pretty good life and you go, God is so good. God is so great because my life looks great. So God is good. But then something comes along. It doesn't fit your story of goodness and you leave off that God is good. Um, neither extreme is it. Can I tell you? Have you ever made brownies? There's a lot of baking in this message, but I am who I am. It's fine. Um, I like baking goods. I really like receiving baked goods. It's fine. Just throwing it out there. Um, for your mind grapes later. Anyway, um, have you ever made brownies? Okay. I made brownies with my mom when I was younger and I remember I was like, cocoa. I love cocoa. I love chocolate. I'm going to say, I'm going to have a spoon of it. I have to have a spoon of the cocoa. Okay, that is not good. You put it in and they're like, Poof. it's like a puff of air comes out because cocoa on its own, not good, right? Have you ever made chocolate chip cookies? My favorite dessert. And don't put raisins in the cookie. Don't put nuts in the cookie. Thank you. Everybody more passionate about that than anything else I've said today. But people are like, yeah. Um, you go in through a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, right? You're like eggs, good. Sugar, <laughs> good. Chocolate chips, good. Baking soda. Not that good on its own. I've tried. Um, not that good. Have you ever done that? And maybe you've done this with your life, though. You go, God's favor, good. Health in my body, good. Beautiful children, good. Sudden loss, what is that? And you've allowed one piece 
of your life to deconstruct your whole faith. And see, I know a God who is a master creator, a master designer, a God who in Romans 8 says, and we know in all things, in good things, in bad things, in all things that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you understand what that means? That means that nothing that has happened in your life is irredeemable for him. It means that like if I just ate baking soda and said these cookies must be terrible because this ingredient is bad. No, when it comes together, it is beautiful and I serve a God who is a master designer and a creator and can take all my pain and my beauty and weave it into one beautiful life for his purpose. Do you understand that? But we throw it away. And you may be stuck because of pain or a moment, but how's that working out for you? <laughs> I have not ever enjoyed a time where I was stuck in the circle of why. It didn't work out for me. It took my sleep. It took my peace. So do you want to be unstuck? Do you want to get unstuck today? Okay, I want to ask you one simple question then. And I really want you to think about this. In order to reconstruct, ask yourself this. Do you believe God is for you? Do you believe God is for you? Can I be honest with you? A long time ago when I had to deal with pain in my life, I reconciled that by overcorrecting onto the sovereignty of God. So I said, God is sovereign. He gives us pain. We just have to accept it. And I forgot that God is for me. You know what that can look like? When you don't believe God is for you, you fear the worst. You expect the worst case scenario. You try to earn his love. If I believed God is for me, why would I have to earn his love by doing good? I don't because it's a gift. Or I live in shame. Because when I believe God is for me, I know that there is no shame, no condemnation upon me because he has freed me by his forgiveness. After your moment where it all get, went wrong, are you gonna stay stuck? Or are you going to surrender? And I don't mean surrender to pain. I don't mean surrender to circumstance. I mean surrender to the character of God, a God who's sovereign and a God who's good. I got out of the circle of why eventually by two things. One was this verse that has become a life mantra for this. It's Isaiah. It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I go back to this all the time, friends. I can't tell you today why some things happened in my life or in yours, but I do know a God who is sovereign and who's good and is for me. So I took this verse and I said, I'm gonna surrender to God. And, and, and then it was this, this going along with the higher, heavens are higher than the earth that I don't always have to understand. It was this line and you can write this down. This has been freeing for me. I don't always have to understand God but I always have to trust God. This broke me. Well, why? Because faith is not seeing. If it's, faith is required to please God, then aren't there going to be some things I don't understand? Aren't there going to be some situations that call for my faith? Faith isn't faith until it's exercised, right? And pain is promised, so what does that mean? That means some days I don't understand. You come to us in our offices too, and we don't understand. You've seen real, true pain. 
And yet, I don't always have to understand God to trust him because I surrender and I say, God, I believe you're for me. Anyone who would die for me is for me. This broke me of the circle of why. Hey, remember when Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? What is the first thing he said? He said, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. And then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why did he say that? Jesus, on the night he was about to be crucified, he was praying, God, take this cup from me if you can. But then he said, nevertheless, your will be done. Not as I will, but as you will. Surrender. Not surrendering to the pain, surrendering to the plan. Surrendering to a God who can take every moment and turn it for my good. We may still be expecting every answer, but why? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I have to use my faith. So today, do we want to break the cycle of why? Do we want to get unstuck? Do we want to reconstruct what's been deconstructed because of a moment of pain? If it's faith, we won't see it, but we know that he is for us. And if I'm honest with you, a lot of times in my life, if you sat me down and said, do you believe God is for me, for you? I'd hesitate before I answered. Why? Because I equated God's hand, his circumstances, the things in my life with his being for me or not. Could it have been possible that there was things I didn't know, things I didn't see, gross ingredients that he was making into a beautiful life? Yes. But now I know he is for me. He is for you, Access. He is for you. He is for you. And even a moment of pain, he is still working because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I wanna pray for you guys today. I wanna pray for those in this room who have been stuck. And I wanna pray for those who have not believed in a long time in a God who is sovereign and good and a God who is for you. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, anyone who would die for me is for me. You sent your son for me. I believe that you could take even my worst pain and make it for your good. God, I surrender. I surrender. Not to circumstance, to you, to your nature, to who you are. I surrender, God. Church, he is for you. He is for you. Take a deep breath and remember he is for you. Feel the weight fall off of expectation of the worst, of fear of the inevitable, of shame. Let that fall off you and remember he is for you. Today he's speaking and saying, I am for you. You may not understand, but my ways are higher than your ways and I am good and I am for you. And I wanna pray for a second group of people in the room while we're doing this today. You may be here and you go, I've never even met God, let alone being able to wrestle with this idea of if he's for me or not. And today is not an accident, friend. This series was made with you in mind. Today, you came and it was not an accident. You are here today because God wants to meet with you. He wants to become that God who is for you. Will you let him? If that's you and in this place while no one is looking, you'd raise your hand and say, today I want to pray to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior with no one looking. Would you raise your hand right now? Say, I wanna pray to accept Jesus right now. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray together. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. We're going to pray this together. Lord, we surrender. We receive your forgiveness. Come into our hearts. Heal us. Save us. Be our Lord. Jesus, you died so I could live. So today I receive your promise of eternal life. I thank you, God, that you are good and you are for me. And starting today, I will begin my new life with you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray that. Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody, you can open your eyes. We have had people in both services accepting Jesus, and that is something to celebrate.